0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the No Lasting City Podcast. I am Scott Corian, your host. Today we're going to pick back up in the How the Church Can Change the World series. This is part two of that series. We're looking at Acts 242, where we get this picture of the early church functioning at its best. And we read that they, that is the early believers, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. the breaking of bread and the prayers and we go on and we're told that as the church did that not only did they grow together as a church but the lord was pleased to add to their number day by day those who were being saved and so in this in this uh acts chapter two we we get these four marks of not just a faithful church but a church that god is using to reach people to literally make an impact in the world. Uh, sometimes we think about changing the world as having to do some great things for God, and many individual Christians have over the centuries, and we thank God for that. But it's also the much more ordinary practices that the church was devoted to that was part of how the gospel spread, how uh, uh, the, the world was literally turned upside down, as, as Paul will say in Acts chapter 17 and that's what we're looking at in this series how can the church change the world well first, first of all by being devoted to the apostles teaching that's what we talked about last time and now i just want to make a few comments about this second practice that the church is devoted to if we want to change the world we must be devoted to the fellowship we must be devoted not just to the teaching but to the fellowship you see the fellowship that the gospel creates it is a beautiful thing And in this Acts chapter 2 passage, we do get a small glimpse of the depth of the fellowship of the early church when we read uh, in verse 44 that all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And So that is a picture of very deep fellowship. People were willingly, not because they had to, but because they wanted to selling their own personal wealth, giving it to those in need uh, because they were part of one family. Uh, that That is the depth of the community that the gospel creates. We are actually a family in Christ, and, and, and we live that out. Michael Green is an Oxford scholar, and he wrote a book many years ago called Evangelism in the Early Church. And he asks uh, the question in that book, you know, what was distinct about the church in the Greco-Roman culture? What made such an impression upon uh, the Greeks and the Romans as they observed the early church? And one of the answers that he gives is precisely this, the fellowship. The fellowship of the early church was unlike anything the ancient world had ever seen. The faith broke down centuries-old barriers between different classes of people who now ate at the same table. Uh, Justin Martyr is one of the earliest Christian apologists, going all the way back to the uh, uh, early centuries of the Church, and I've got got a quote from him as he's writing to defend Christianity. Uh, He he says this, writing to talk about the effects of the gospel— in, in the life of the church. He says, we who hated and destroyed one another on account of the different customs and would not live with men of different races now since the coming of Christ live on excellent terms with them and we pray for our enemies. And so he appeals to this, this uh, new community as a, a powerful witness to the, the truth of Jesus and the gospel. And that has always been part of the power and beauty of the fellowship of the church is that the gospel brings people together inside the church who would never get along outside the church, white collar, blue collar, all sorts of classes and races, people that would never even talk to each other Uh, because, as Martyr said, of the different customs that divide us, inside the church Uh, we come together. This is what Paul says in Galatians 3, in Christ there's no Jew or Greek, slave or free, and just stop right there. That's a pretty radical thing to say. Uh, These were deep divisions in that culture, and the gospel brought us together in one fellowship. And not just brought us together, uh, but, but brought us together in real relationships of humility and love and service to one another. And the world had never seen anything like this before. And if you go on and you look at all of the one another commands in the Bible, uh, everything that, that the apostles teach about what life with other Christians should be like, it's a really attractive picture. And I have said over the years, as I've talked about this, listen, wouldn't you want to be in a group of people who genuinely loved you? who genuinely cared for you, who, who made it a point to look out not just for their interests, but your interests? Uh, wouldn't you want to be in a community that was just overwhelmingly hospitable, welcoming you in? Uh, wouldn't you want to be in a community of people that were willing to bear your burdens with you and weep with you when life is hard and there's nothing to say but we can weep together? And w- wouldn't you want to be with people who are truly happy at your life victories and want to rejoice with you and aren't jealous that you're having good things happen to you while, while not them? Wouldn't you want to be in a community where there's no more cliques, where, where high school is over? where you're not constantly being sized up, you don't have to prove your worth. You don't have to act like you have it all together. Wouldn't you want to be in a community where it's okay to not be okay? And you don't have to fear being rejected when people see your weaknesses. Rather, people are committed to forgiving you and bearing with you and 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 uh, encouraging you. And likewise you're committed to that. I mean, it's a It's a beautiful picture. It's a picture that everybody longs for. We all long for this, and and we need this because going back to Genesis 1, God made us to live in community. And, And it shouldn't be a surprise to us when we see all the secular studies come back and report that to truly have a happy life, it's not tied to money it's not tied to some of the things we think it is. One of, one of the things even these secular studies have found, a correlation between, is having deep relationships and meaningful relationships with other people, real connection. And there is such a longing for this kind of community in our culture right now. It is so hard to find, and the church has a real opportunity. But we have to say that even in the church, it's not easy to live out this kind of community and it's often not our experience, and that's why the New Testament consistently calls for us to fight and prioritize the fellowship of the Church uh, to try to to achieve uh, the reality that Christ has already uh, purchased for us. And in the time that follows, I I just want to briefly mention a couple of what I see as the biggest barriers, particularly for American Christians— to, to achieving this to, to living out the fellowship of the church to, uh, the biggest barriers to being devoted to the fellowship that um, that I, I think we experience here in america so here's barrier number one uh, let's just call it the time barrier which is pretty simple we don't spend the time together to actually have significant community i think we all know that Community, fellowship, deep relationships flows out of shared experiences over time. Uh, that's why, for many of us—not all of us—but for many of us, some of our best friends are—they go back to our college years because those those were years where we we were forced um, to spend a lot of time with people we just met. You know, we're on this college campus and we had all this shared experience, and and uh, we became friends through it. And we we look back to that and. Uh, the, the, without giving time into relationships, it's just not realistic to expect to have rich community with other people. Uh, I, I think we we see even in the Acts 2, we get this picture that the church, part of being devoted to the fellowship, was not just the idea of fellowship, but but an actual using their time to meet together regularly. They were meeting for worship regularly. They were meeting from house to house informally, uh, partly for worship and probably just for fellowship. Uh, We're told in Hebrews, of course, we read the encouragement not to neglect meeting together. And so the point simply is to truly have deep biblical community, the kind of community where relationships go deep, uh, where we we can do this one anothering, uh, the way the Bible pictures it, we actually have to have quantity time together to to build that. We, we have to prioritize that, and I think that's one of the greatest barriers for real community in twenty first century America is just the busyness of our lives. Uh, we are so busy as I, as we've gotten at, just into Scottsdale here, uh, it it seems like it's even up another level from where we were living previously. Everybody is so busy, particularly if you have kids, you're so busy. Your kids are always doing something where every night of the week we're out, we're invested all the weekends or tied up with this or that. And this is a real barrier. And I've heard over and over again, over the years from Christians, you know, I would love to give more time to, to get to know people in my church better, but I just don't have time for it. And I think really what we need to say is, it's just not a priority because we all know we have we have time for what is a priority. And because it's not a priority, it just never happens because life, it is busy. It's a fast pace of life. Um, but it, here's the thing. If it's not a priority for us in this season of life, we shouldn't tell ourselves, well, life will slow down in a year or six months or five years, whatever, and, and then I'll be able to give to it because if it's not a priority now it won't be a priority then, and life will never slow down as much as you think it will. There's always things that are going to keep you uh, busy. And so that's the first barrier. It's just, are we willing to prioritize the time to meet together with other Christians, to to be devoted to community? And here's a quote from one Christian author, I think, who really gets this right. Uh, It says, Uh, Quote, if Christians are not willing to restructure their lives and their time to meet more regularly together, then the experience of true community will continue to elude them. And if we aren't willing to change, that is change some of our priorities, then we should stop pretending it's possible. So I do think that's a big barrier and something we all need to to think about. What what are our priorities? Uh, Here's barrier number two what keeps us from being devoted to the fellowship and having this beautiful picture of, of, of community and barrier number two, I'll call the vulner, vulnerability barrier, excuse me. And, and here the question is, are we willing to be real with other people or do we hide and edit much of who we are? You know, the, the, I, I saw a statistic not that long ago. I, I assume it's still relatively accurate that 70% of the photos that Americans put on their social media feeds have been edited in some way. 70% have been edited before they go up for the, uh, you know, onto Facebook or Instagram or or whatever. And edited to to make ourselves, of course, (laughs) look better. Edited to to show the world the side of ourselves that we want them to see. And, of course, we, we all do that. We, we all tend to do that. We, we hide the parts of ourselves that are uh, we don't want to be seen. We put forth what we do, and that will keep us from real community. I think we all know to have true connection with other people, we must allow ourselves to be seen. Uh, how can we weep with those who weep and share burdens with each other if we don't actually share what's making us weep or share what our burdens are? In some ways, it's just kind of common sense. and so nothing prevents biblical community more than an unwillingness uh, to be to be real to uh, a pressure to act like we have it all together. And listen, I know this is incredibly difficult this is a this is a hard barrier to overcome. Uh, it's one I think we're all in process working on. Uh, it is challenging it, it It's a scary thing to let down the walls it It really is. Um, and I, I fully acknowledge that. Uh, we have to pray that we have healthy enough churches where it's safe to do that, where it is safe to be weak. It's, it's safe to show our vulnerabilities, our fears. We have to pray that we do not fall prey, no pun intended, to a Pharisaical church culture where we all feel like we have to hide our own failures and sins and look down on those who don't have it all together. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer warned of that many years ago in his book, Life Together. He warns about having a pious fellowship, uh, which is a community of Christians that, quote, permits no one to be a sinner. So everybody must conceal his sin from himself and from others, and so we all remain alone with our sin, living in lies and hypocrisy, unquote. Uh, We have to pray that God would keep our churches from that kind of culture because we'll never have real community. We have to pray for courage honestly for courage, uh, to allow ourselves uh, to, to be seen, to be known. We have to rest in God's love for us, his care for us, so that we uh, uh, have the courage to step forward and and, and bring down the walls. And uh, often what happens is once somebody does that, uh, it just creates a, a, a community and atmosphere where uh, more and more people do, and it's beautiful, and it's very powerful. So that's a, a second barrier, barrier number three, is what I call the unrealistic expectations barrier. What keeps us from having this this uh, wonderful community the Bible pictures? What do we have to fight against? Unrealistic expectations of other people. Listen, we we all bring hopes and dreams for the community we're in. When you when you first start going to a church and you look around the room and you see all these smiling faces, you. you you begin to dream, ah, oh, there's all my best friends, and this is just going to be wonderful and I, I bet I'll be invited over to people's houses every night of the week and we'll do this together and that together and and maybe you don't do that, but we all have some sort of ex- expectations and dreams for our relationships in the church. And rare and the, the, they're, they're all wonderful. The problem is that our dreams of community and our dreams of what living in the church are going to be like, rarely, if ever, match up to reality. And that is simply because the church is filled with sinners, the church is filled with people just like you and me, people who struggle with pride still, people who struggle with self-righteousness and selfishness, and all the other things uh, that go along with, with that. When you read the, the early church letters in the New Testament, uh, in some ways it's refreshing to see that there's nothing new under the sun. Uh, a big part of the apostles' letters were encouraging Christians to get along with each other and and bear with each other and forgive each other and not show partiality or pride. there were there were always tensions in the early church. Community is not always easy because uh, the church is filled with sinners and, and but the point is we have to accept that as we come in. If we don't let go of our dreams of what community should be like then we'll never be free to enjoy the community of people that actually is. Uh, this was a great point, again, to quote Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Um, he says in his book, Life Together, that one of the greatest dangers of all to any church is a, quote, wishful idea of religious fellowship, Right, a wishful idea of re- religious fellowship. And he's just talking about we come into community with these dreams of what it should be like. And he goes on to say that one of the most gracious things that God can do in any church is quickly disillusion you, <laughs> quickly burst your bubble uh, about what other people and what it's going to be like, because if we love our dream more than we love the community, we'll inevitably destroy that community. Because living life together involves being with real people, uh, real people who are sometimes will bore you, who will disappoint you, who will sin against you. And if we, if we don't accept that, if we demand a, a perfect experience of community where I'm just always surrounded by best friends and people just like me and nobody ever lets me down, I have no conflict with anybody, well, then we're going to be perpetually church hopping. Uh, every time uh, a, a disillusionment happens, we, we just go somewhere else and we'll actually never have that deep community we long for. Uh, but as we look around, if we can learn to forgive, count the interests of others more than our own, and uh, just accept the people that are around us as as broken, wounded, fallen sinners just like us, well, then something special begins to happen, and, and real biblical community can begin to take root. So uh, in conclusion, I'll, I'll wrap this up. How does the church change the world while well, we, we're devoted to community? Uh, uh, not not the cliques where everyone's just like us—that's uh, That that's, that's kind of worldly community—but the biblical community, where we're able to live out these one-another commands. And to do that, we, we just have to lean into the gospel constantly. We have to fight hard to learn to bear with others, show humility, uh, exercise patience, sacrifice our rights. It is hard to do that. In fact, it's impossible without God. But as we rest in the gospel, as we remember we have a Savior, the very Savior who brings us together in one body, who has done all of this for us. He has sacrificed himself for us. He's born with our weaknesses, shown remarkable humility. As we do that, we're, we're able we're able to lean into this, and uh, not only will we have a greater experience uh, of community ourselves in the church, but again, a wonderful witness to a very fractured and lonely world. Well, that's all I have for this episode. May God help us in our churches to be devoted, not just to the teaching, but to one another in community. Thanks for listening to another episode of No Lasting City. Join me next time. Goodbye.